Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So we've been uh, doing this series of uh, practices the last, um, this is the seventh, I think, seventh week. And last week we did um, letting go, the joy of letting go. Just want to check in for a moment and see uh, if anybody has been playing around with it, any insights, any things that you discovered. How many people, if you've been working with it at all? Great, that's pretty good. Okay. Anything that you have found, how joyful it is, how difficult it is, what a... Yeah, it's great if you can remember to do it. Yeah, that that's the trick. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the anybody remembering to do it. Oh great. Well, how do you remember and what have you been finding? Anyone? Here. Wait. What was it? Resistance. Here. Kate. Yeah. I find a physical reaction first, if I can notice my body tensing up in kind of a contraction feel, I suddenly can realize, oh, I'm, you know, there's something going on there, and uh, and then releasing around that and letting go around that. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be the initial. Beautiful. Paying attention to your body and seeing the contraction, it's like, if you can get that wired up, a signal clutching and then that connection, oh, I can relax, I can let go, I can come to ease. That's, then, then every time you're contracting is really good news, right? Because it's waking you up to another possibility. So you don't have to feel lousy that you're contracting, it's, oh, far out. You just have to make that connection, oh, holding on, letting go. Other people who haven't, yes. It's an amazing feeling how I have options. So I, I might have routines going on or I might have thoughts in my Real mind, person. and then I realize, oh, I actually don't have to do that. I can let it, I can let it go, and it feels so nice. Mm. And you've been, have you been doing that this week? Yeah, yeah. Like, give me an example. Oh. Uh, well, feeling like I have to finish my dinner early or finish it, um, or... Or eat the same meal, like have the same dinner that I might always have, and I go, why don't I try something different? Mm. And I go, wow, that's cool. I can just let that old (laughs) idea go and try something new. Mm. It's really creative and refreshing. Oh, beautiful. Unlimited possibilities once you step outside the box of your routine. Great. Anyone else who hasn't, hasn't Yeah, Alexa. I've been trying to um, let go of figuring the rest of my life out. And so in the moment it works and it feels like, ah, oh, but then there's this like voice of, well, I'm just putting it off. I'm not going for now, but letting go for now, but then I'm putting it off. So it feels good in the moment, which I guess is key, but there's this other little thing going on of like, someday I will have to do it. Uh-huh. Mm. And, um, well, first of all, the moment is the only 
is the only thing that's happening, right? right. So if you can just keep that in the moment, your life is not going to stop because you haven't figured it out. <laughs> that's good. That's what it feels like. Oh, if I don't figure it out, what then? I'll be frozen. Your life has figured itself out up till this moment, your whole life. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> and everything has brought you... You've got a pretty... Uh, you've got a good life. You know, and it's just worked out by itself. That's the amazing thing. You don't have to figure it out. Life keeps on happening. All you have to do is just show up and listen, and it becomes apparent what the next step is. Certainly there's a value in planning or in having a, a, a vision, having a game plan, having a, an inspiring uh, aspiration or intention. But you don't know how it's going to work, so it just gives you some direction and then you come here, you come into the moment. It's like it's trusting that your awareness will meet that moment when it comes. It always has. So keep on letting go of that figuring out. Very rarely do we figure out and, and, and spin our wheels and come up with the brilliant answer coming from a place of wisdom. It, because it, you need more space for the wisdom to shine through. So it's the, it's the contracted mind that gets in the way of that opening to what's next. So keep it up. Okay. Uh, unless there's some burning question or insight, we'll, we'll move on. Oh, I should also uh, say that I took this on, this, this practice on uh, this week, as I asked you to think of something, and I did, and uh, I'm going to keep up with it, which is letting go of um, checking my email before I do a good chunk of either writing or working on this book project. And uh, it's been good. Very good. Very good. You don't miss it. You know, that's the thing. What if I don't? What if there's something? You don't miss it. So. Okay. So tonight uh, I want to uh, invite us to explore a very key topic in practice, in happiness, in inner peace, and that is learning to love ourselves. You know, there's that song, the George Benson song, learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. I love that song. It really is. It's not, and we, we're so brought up to think, oh, how self-indulgent that is. But if you don't, and, oh, cell phones, please. Mm -hmm. Love yourself, whoever cell phone it is, it's okay. <laughs> it's not you, it's just the cell phone. <clears throat> so, it, not self-indulgent, it's really... It's seeing the truth. It's not excluding yourself from inclusion in 
the perfection of life as it shines through all of us. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but it's such a challenge. Now, I've been working with, with people practicing for, for many years, and I would say it is the greatest challenge of all, the, the, the first main hurdle of going deep into practice, I shouldn't say hurdle, uh, the first main issue is somehow getting who you are. Getting that really integrating that or starting to get a glimpse of it and seeing it and, and developing it. It's not like once you get it, you never go back into those old thought patterns. But, but when you really, when it's not just an idea, when it's, when it's a felt sense experience, something radical starts to happen. And then you're just nurturing that perspective that, that, you, that you've seen. Um, I, uh, I'll share a little bit about uh, myself in this uh, exploration. When I was young, I had a recurrent fantasy. Mm. This is like you know, five, six, seven, those, those years. <clears throat> that um, I imagined there was a kind of limbo reality before we were born. I don't know if I've shared this here before, maybe. Uh, and there, it's like there were souls on a shelf, right, about to incarnate. And either God, my idea of God, or God's right-hand assistant uh, was, uh, was going to pick who would incarnate next. <clears throat> And um, there I was on that shelf, and the, the hand comes down, and it's supposed to be the, the soul next to me, but I got picked by mistake, <laughs> and I kind of lucked out, but it wasn't really supposed to be me. So I had this, this is a, an ongoing, I, you know, it was an ongoing um, imagination, uh, but somewhere a belief inside that I wasn't supposed to be here and that I was really an imposter. Um, not a very happy feeling, you know, because at any point if I was really discovered, that would be the end. The jig would be up. So, along with, uh, there was a part of me that really loved, uh, loved life and loved uh, connecting with people, but there was another part that was also very, um, very fearful. And I was the youngest uh, in, of all my friends in school, so I, I never felt like I could catch up. That was another Thing. I was always, you know how it is when you're feeling younger? How many people were younger than their friends? Okay. It's a very different reality than being older 
and just kind of like, yeah, you know your way around. I was always younger. And, just, and uh, as I've mentioned here, you know, re- uh, I winced in the mirror looking at myself up until I was, oh, until I started growing my hair. You know, uh, in the six, I had a crew cut, which was not very cool. And once I started growing my hair and being like everybody else, you know, oh, maybe I do belong, you know, but kind of dorky. And, uh, but I, I really did not like what I saw. There's always this, this, this feeling of just not being cool enough, not being good enough, not, not being enough. And I thought I was one of the only ones that had that experience. But when I see we all, or most of us, it's very rare that people don't have some experience of not being enough. Uh, it was it was quite illuminating. Oh, this is something we all go through. You know, perhaps you can relate to what I'm saying. And we we find ourselves comparing ourselves against who we think are the cool people. Or we take in messages from our families, perhaps, or our teachers, or some sixth-grade bully, or some boyfriend or girlfriend that didn't work out and uh, left a, a taste of, you know, oh, you're a jerk, or whatever. And those things have deep impressions not measuring up to some imaginary standard of who we think we should be. Or, not measuring up, maybe we were okay, we had a a, a victory somewhere and things were working out and yeah, maybe I am okay and uh, you know, if sometimes it's the, it's, it's really a hard thing to be like the high school hero and then the rest of your life not quite measuring up to that. So whatever that comparing mind uh, is, uh, is insidious. So on top of whatever shortcomings we might have, we then add on to it our own judgments about it. We can see all too well, you know, oh, I'm so impatient or I get so scared, or so doubting, or you can fill in the blank. See what yours is that you tell yourself. This is called the second dart. We've talked about it here. The Buddha called the second dart. The first dart, it's painful enough to see the ways that you aren't quite what you'd like to be. But then you judge yourself for having those thoughts. And that's really... Where, where you get mired down. Oh, come off it already. When are you going to get off of your self-flagellation? Get it together, man. You know, it's very painful. And whatever experiences we have get, leave their impressions in our neural pathways as neurosciences starting to see, as uh, mentioned here, that negative experiences leave deep impressions. 
the brain is wired up for that. The amygdala in the brain scans for negative experiences, and it served a function at some point that you know for survival you have to have to be vigilant for what can go wrong. Those leave their lasting impact, and positive experiences don't leave as much of an impression as my. My friend, uh, neuroscience uh, uh, authority Rick Hansen says, the brain is like um, Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive ones. <laughs> so they leave a lasting impression, and there is that groove that can be practiced because if you start to believe, oh, that's who I am, it's, uh, it's a hard one to, to shift. So practice is about retraining the neural pathways, although that has not been talked about until recently, but retraining our thoughts and beliefs, retraining our mind to not believe the stories that we have about ourselves and to learn to see who we really are beyond our small sense of self. And in order to really love ourselves, it's got to be bigger than just the good stuff that you see. Maybe you have done a random act of kindness and you say, oh, well, maybe I'm not so bad. Okay, wonderful. But there's all that other yucky stuff. No, if there's truly metta, loving kindness for yourself, it means you embrace it all. You embrace the whole totality of who you are. Just like a parent with a child, you know, especially if they're a young child and don't, don't know any better. And, you know, the, the child doesn't, isn't potty trained yet. You, know, you don't say, oh, come on, kid, get it together. Or is uh, create some problems for herself or himself through their confusion or their anger or their frustration or whatever. And what do you do as a, as a loving parent or a loving older brother or a sister or somebody who you see is really hurting and really in pain because of the confusion they cause themselves? What do you want to do? just want to hold them and say, it's okay. It's okay, dear. And that's what we're wanting to learn with ourself. And sometimes we have to hit really rock bottom in order to get there. Um, that was true for me. Often, when you really get to a place where you just you can't take it anymore, you start looking for other answers. I've been watching um, the uh, Eckhart Tolle Oprah series. How many, anybody watching that? It's really good. Um, and Eckhart Tolle, who wrote The Power of Now, a fabulous book and uh, A New Earth, his awakening came after being very depressed for, for quite some time. And at the age of 29, he was suicidal and was about to do himself in. You know, he said, I can't stand myself any longer. That was 
the key thought that led to a deep awakening because as he thought about it, he said, well, who is it that can't stand himself any longer? Is it the same being or is it two? And when he just let that reflection carry him in more and more deeply, he saw what he was calling myself was just one small part of something much bigger that could hold himself. So, the key is seeing beyond it all to see who you truly are and then embracing the totality all the foibles, all the, the, small, the smallness. This is uh, from Nyoshal Kempo Rinpoche. He says, Buddha nature, the essence of awakened enlightenment itself, is present in everyone. Its essence is forever pure, unalloyed, and flawless. Those who recognize their true nature are enlightened. Those who ignore or overlook it are deluded. There is no way to enlightenment other than by recognizing Buddha nature and authentically identifying it within one's own stream of being. So, beyond the packaging beyond the habits and patterns that make up your unique personality, there's something much more profound and extraordinary that shines through, as Ajahn Sumedho calls it, the shining through of the divine. I'll just leave it at that. The shining through of the divine. How could it not be there in you? How could it not be? if life has expressed itself in this form. But we miss that because we're so busy looking at the flaws. You know, you ever, you ever see, a, 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 say, a painting or a, or a, 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 a tapestry or, or even a piece of clothing, there's a little thing out of place, a little, or your car, a little nick in your car. Nobody else might know that, Nick, but you see it and your mind just goes there or goes on what's wrong in that, uh, in that whole beautiful picture. The mind can, can go there if it's not trained. And that's what we do. We, we look at the flaw or flaws and say, oh, but there's that and miss the bigger picture. If we've received love sometime in our life, then we have the potential to access that love inside. If you've never received love, if you've been damaged, you know, like orphans who were not picked up or, and, and, and developed some real, real problems, that's... Um, then it's really hard because those, those neural 
aspects of the brain that respond to connection never formed. But even if you think that you received very little love, all you need is one person who you felt it from. And I've seen this um, again and again. Actually, some of the most inspiring people I know, one, I'm thinking of one teacher particularly, who, who uh, she was uh, brought up in, in a very, um, very mm, proper English home where they didn't express love. And she said she, she didn't really get it. But there was somebody, somebody in her, in her youth where she had some interactions with and she obviously got something because this person is just one of the most loving and um, connecting beings that I know. I was once on a retreat with, with somebody who um, came in who's become a good friend who said, I was never loved and that's why I can't love. Never, ever? She said, no, I wasn't. I said, now just think about it. Think if, there's, if there was ever anybody in your life who you did receive love from. I'll just hang out. Maybe it's true. We'll see. We hung out for, oh, maybe about 45 seconds or a minute. I had all the time, you know, could, could wait. She realized I wasn't going anyplace else. Well, yeah, my brother was good to me. I said, do you think he loved you? She said, well, he companioned me. Can I put it that way? Did he, yeah, he was really good. And as she, as she let it in, I said, just take in your brother's love. I know both of them quite well now. And uh, they're both very amazing, loving people. Let in the fact that you were loved. And as she let it in more and more, it was like she had to break open the story that was keeping her bound. Oh, maybe I was loved. Maybe I can love. And I knew that that was so because she was one of the most, she is one of the most generous giving beings. So I had, I figured there was somebody in there that was, that could come out. But her own story about it was keeping her, keeping her down. Robert Bly says, any part of us that we do not learn to love will become hostile to us. It, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if there you are busy seeing how you're not smart enough, and that's the, the nick in the car or the flaw in the picture, that's all there is, and that becomes your story. Any part that you do not learn to love will become hostile to you. Mm. So, how do you have metta for self, loving kindness for self? It doesn't mean that you like all those flaws, but you can hold them with a loving heart. This is from Ajahn Sumedho, who says, if I can find it. 
Ja. When we say, I love sticky rice or I love sweet mango, we really mean we like it. Liking is being attracted to something. We don't lo- love, love it. Meta means that you love your enemy. It doesn't mean you like your enemy. If somebody wants to kill you and, and you say, I like them, that's silly. But we can love them, meaning we can refrain from unpleasant thoughts and vindictiveness. To be my, sometimes there are things one doesn't like about oneself. But metta, loving kindness towards self, means not being caught up in the thoughts we have, the attitudes, the problems, the, the feelings in the mind. It's an immediate practice of being very mindful. It means not creating problems around existing conditions, allowing them to fade away, to cease. To have metta towards the fear in your mind, or the anger, or the jealousy. When fear comes up, you can have metta for the fear, meaning you don't build up aversion to it. You can just accept its presence and allow it to cease. So, one key aspect of metta for self has to do with forgiving all of those parts of ourselves that we, we don't like. Mm, that forgiveness. You know, how can you forgive something when it's such a drag, right? Here's a a very interesting concept on of forgiveness. And this is uh, Jack's book, The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness and Peace. He describes this practice in the Babemba tribe of South Africa. When a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly. He's placed in the center of the village, alone and unfettered. All work ceases, and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused, one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in his lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All his positive attributes, good deeds, strengths, and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts for several days. At the end, the tribal circle is broken, a joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. Sounds like a good culture to be brought up in. Imagine if we could do that with some some version of that with ourselves. Amazing. So, actually, as I think about it, let's see. I have this. Let's do a little forgiveness practice first. Just close your eyes. And if there's something that gets in the way of you 
really loving yourself, getting who you are. What do I need to forgive myself for? My shame, my impatience, my anger, whatever it is. Here's your chance. Instead of feeling small about it, here's your chance. Every part of you that you do not learn to love will become hostile to you. What would I need to understand in order to truly forgive myself? Just imagine someone else in your predicament filled with self-judgment or whatever. Would you be able to forgive him or her? If you would, then let the wisest and most compassionate part of you, the one that could so easily forgive someone else, forgive that confused being who sometimes doesn't measure up or acts unskillfully, who's just confused. Imagine holding her or him, with great compassion. Let yourself feel the, the wholesomeness of your compassion. If you got a glimpse of that, just raise your hand if you could feel a compassion apart. Okay, wonderful. So, uh, if we can take a few moments, any anything that you notice or that you want to share around that? What was it like? Particularly people who haven't spoken yet. What was that like? Okay. It was really beautiful, but in a way really sad that it was so easy to have loving compassion if it was pretending it was someone else. Sad that it was so easy for someone else, but hard for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a lot of company. That's the, that's the thing to keep in mind. You know, that's the thing, not to take it personally. And even if you can feel it just a little bit, it's just watering that seed more and more. You can go in and come out, go in and come out. 
This is from somebody on retreat who who saw how hard they were on themselves and then could see that possibility. I sat there this morning on my cushion, silently weeping. I wept for the sadness I've carried, the shame, the unworthiness. I wept for the letting go, and I wept in painful joy and visceral gratitude that I have finally discovered a path to freedom. I'm grateful to my body and my muscles and my lungs, my beating heart. I'm falling head over heels in love with myself. And that can be a very profound moment and then we can forget. But once we've had it, it's always available to us. It just takes a little bit of clearing out, getting a little bit of space in the mind and the heart to remember what's so. Because that, that understanding is not a forced figuring out. That's the clarity that comes when we're not contracted and confused. That's the truth. Mm. Okay, so how to... Uh, go beyond just forgiveness and opening up to, to love. Mm. There's a, a few different methods that I like to use. Mm. One is um, seeing through the story seeing just, oh, it's just a story I'm telling myself. And that, but it's a start. Another is that I found was after I got that glimpse, just acting as if, as if I was lovable or I didn't know about the, the Buddha in those days, but just acting as if I was really okay just kind of playing around with it, trying it on for size. Because there's something about letting the mind incline that way, and even if you're pretending, you know, that you fake it until you make it, you, know, you might just try this. Act as if you're a Buddha. What would, it, what would it be like to be just such a lovable, lovely person? You know? Check it out. Okay, let's just do it for a moment, okay? Close your eyes, because it worked for me, anyway. Close your eyes and just see that Buddha inside of you, or if you think of it as, as uh, you know, the kingdom of God, what, whatever resonates for you, that the divine shining through you, the most beautiful version of yourself. No obstructions, no confusions, just letting it shine through. What would it look like? What would it feel like? How would everybody respond to you if they saw this part of you? If they saw who you really are? 
what the energy would be like coming towards you and how you would just turn it around and share it right back with everybody else. If it feels good, play around with being a Buddha this week. Act as if you are just a really beautiful human being. Okay, you can open your eyes. Now, when I say that, I don't mean to go around with a puffed chest and say, hey, check it out, this, I'm really special. You know, we're all really special. But to really see the specialness in yourself and to delight in it, to celebrate it. This is uh, this famous Martha Graham quote. There's a vitality, a life force, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And since there's only one of you in all time, this expression is unique. If you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and will be lost. The world will not have it. It's not your business to determine how good it is nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly to keep the channel open. Then the world gets to get it. So that's one way to just act as if. Another way is meta for self, which is uh, the classic way that we get in touch with metta for self is first to reflect on one's noble qualities. Okay? So just for a moment, reflect on all the things that you do like about yourself. Think of the people in your life who really enjoy you. Let's get a sense of why. All of these gifts that you've been given, whether it's kindness or playfulness or sincerity, caring, sometimes we Don't think those things count. I need to be more this or more that. Whereas if you met somebody who is caring and kind and playful and good, that would be enough. First, get in touch with your noble qualities. Now, you might just imagine or bring to mind the different people in your life who do appreciate you, have a, just have a party for a moment in your mind. There they are. They're coming to celebrate you. Let yourself feel surrounded. And what do they want from you, for you? They just want you to be happy. That's all they want. They just want for you to get who you are. Because they can see it very easily. 
And let yourself be surrounded by this energy. Now, pick one of those people or beings. It can be a, a, a pet as well as a, or a child or whatever. Some being that you have a connection with. And pick one of them. Bring them right into the front, in front of you. And feel that special loving energy that you share. How sweet it is to have a connection like that with someone. Now for a moment, just imagine why, why it is that they love hanging out with you. Just imagine inhabiting their reality and looking through their eyes or through their mind and seeing who they see when they're with their dear friend. Just get who you are. Drink yourself in. Delight in yourself. And then send some loving energy to that being. Realizing the more they feel their love unobstructedly, the more it comes out. What a beautiful being this is. And then from the inside, imagine your consciousness coming right back inside your own body. And from the inside, stay connected with those qualities. And there's a, a good metta practice that... Uh, Michelle McDonald uses, may I love and accept myself just as I am. Doesn't mean you have room to improve or grow, but just who you are, completely who you are. where you don't have to be any more to be worthy of love. And what a gift it is when you let it come out of you. Very gently come out and back. If you got in touch with just a glimpse, let me see, raise your hand, a glimpse or more. Okay. So if you do, it's that it's, you have that capacity, then it's just training yourself 
to remember that perspective of truth. Is there's a part of you, every one of us, wants to be happy. Anyone who doesn't want to be happy here? So, there's a part of you that is really rooting for your happiness. Isn't it so? You might feel frustrated or, you know, but there's, when you say, I really want to be happy, that's, there's a very pure being or very pure um, energy in there from your deepest place that is rooting for you, that is wishing you the, the, the best that you can have, the best life that you can have. Don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed of that. That is your true nature. That's what's rooting for you. All the other stuff that says, I'm not enough, is just confusion and misunderstanding, delusion. So it's just going right to the heart of the matter. And it's like you hit pay dirt. When I, when I had that, and I had particularly through that exercise that I just shared with you, it was a, a number of years. I had been practicing for many, many years doing Vipassana and feeling pretty centered and all. But when I hit that pay dirt and I really saw, oh, there really is a really good person in here, it, it shifted everything. So um, it's, if I can do it from that, that guy who winced in the mirror, not wanting to look at himself, if I can do it, I, I know you can. It's just training yourself. It's valuing that enough to practice that reality and know that everybody benefits from it. So I'll just, we have a few more, few minutes. Let's just check in. Any, anything that comes up from it? Any questions? Any comments? That a story also? Say again. I said, isn't that a story also? Which? That you're things about yourself. Uh, it can be. It can be a useful story. Or it can be uh, the ring of truth. Like when you just... Were you, did you get a, a glimpse in there, say, of what your friend might see? Okay. How did it feel in your body when you saw it? Uh, anything else described besides good? Here, use the mic. Um, I guess ground, grounded and, and light. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Grounded, light. Mm-hmm. Mind contracted, open. Which? Open. Uh-huh. Okay. So this is the way I, one way that I um, have of getting in touch with uh, what one could call true nature or wholeness. The, the truth is rarely contracted. There's a feeling of just seeing clearly, like when you see on retreat and you've been spinning around in your head over and over and then all of a sudden things clear up. It's not that you're imposing a story. You're just not, it's not being obscured. The truth is not being obscured by those contracted thoughts in the mind. So it can be a story, a skillful story up to a point, but when you hit pay dirt, it's not a story anymore. It's like, oh, how obvious. How did I miss that all along? So, yeah, 
Janet, Janet. Back there. It's my experience that the story comes afterwards. When I mean, I've had that experience that you're talking about, and and I know that it's true when it's happening. And then later when I'm trying to reflect on it and tr- trying to cultivate it and trying to give it back to myself, then it starts to become a story. The story of? of the story of, the, of um, my own goodness. And, and then it's hard, it's hard to connect with it then because it does feel like a story. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, well, I had that experience once, but that's not right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, it's like um, trying to find a way through the, st- the story that I constructed to remind myself about it uh-huh. of the actual experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it's, it is still there, you're right. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's kind of hard to find it. Okay, excellent. That's a really good point. If you make it into it, it you can repeat it so much or just get habituated so that it is just a story, especially when you touch something deeply and you talk about it to a lot of people, then it really becomes a story and loses its, its vitality. But there's something about the, um, the felt sense, the, the living sense that the story can incline you towards, but it's not, it's just a pointer. The words, and sometimes you can have an image or a, a, just a, a trigger, as they say in Tibetan practices, that just points you to the actual um, deep felt sense of it. And it's very important, yeah, to see when it's just, oh yeah, I've said it enough, and yeah, I know that, but, but you're not, it's not really alive and, uh, and feeling. Then that's, that's the time to go deeper and, and quiet down and feel. And it can work the other way too, where you can tell yourself the story, and after a while, it can open up to reality, you're just kind of, it's like what, what happens in metta practice? You're saying, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, yeah, right, you know, may, you know, may I be filled with love, good luck, you know, is it, and, but you're just saying those phrases over and over, and after, you know, days and days and days, something starts to happen where they come alive. So it can work both ways. But the, the, the main thing is feeling the aliveness, the, the authenticity of it. Thanks. One last one. Yeah, I was at a retreat with Wes Nisker, and I got sort of caught up with, I got caught up with the idea of stories and stories about myself. And, mm. um, and he said, well, don't take your personality personally. <laughs> and and that sort of allowed me to be very sort of uh, accepting of all the different stories, sort of just noticing all the stories and and trying to then notice which ones felt best, sort of from you know from a real good place, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and just just noticing the bad stories too, but just being able just to accept it's just my personality. I don't need to take it personally. It's just you know, so. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All those stories. You're, you're not going to turn off the, uh, right. you know, the, the, the record player or the, uh, you know, the, your iPod shuffle, you know, that's going <laughs> to come out with one story after another. You just can see which ones to empower and which ones to, to let go. 
and no, they're all stories ultimately, but some are pointing to a, to a truth. <clears throat> so, great. Okay, so this week I would really encourage you, when you sit, if you got in touch at all with a glimpse of your own decency, goodness, true nature or whatever, just get it. Hang out with it for a few moments. Let your, let your body remember it. And uh, try acting as if you were, whether you call it a Buddha or, or uh, a divine being, uh, just act as if you were that way this week. Because you are, actually. But just, uh, you might have to coax yourself before you actually believe it. Everybody is seeing it anyway. You're, we're usually the last people to see it. So uh, you might as well be in on the, on the reality as well. Okay, so we'll close with a short loving kindness. Just feel that goodness and let it shine out. May I share my love well. May I feel the peace that's inside, access it, and share it with everyone in my life. May I see through my confusion to realize who I really am. And then sending thoughts of kindness, well-wishing, to all beings in all directions. As I want to be happy, may all be happy. As I want to see through my fears and confusion, may all see through their confusion. May all learn to share their love well. May all awaken to their true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.